0: It's time to grab the bull by the horns. Yes, it is indeed time to grab the bull by the horns. Thank you, Buck Martinez, legendary sports broadcaster. Uh, Random shout-out to another sports broadcaster, Jim Price. Longtime uh, Detroit Tigers radio announcer and member of their 1968 World Series championship team. He passed away this week. And if you're a Tigers fan like I am and you like listening to the radio like I do because I'm a fucking dinosaur, you will remember Jim Price putting in his time with, still there, Dan Dickerson. And uh, But Jim Price has been around since the days of Ernie Harwell. That's a serious throwback to, I would argue, the best radio announcer in all of baseball was the announcer when they won the 1984 World Series and uh, when I was a kid. Uh, Anyway, Jim Price, he was great. And here's one of the things that made him great. Every single time anyone would ever mention a neighborhood or a city, it didn't matter uh, what it was, Jim Price would go, Nice area. And I always love that. It's not something you would pick up on if you didn't listen to a ton of baseball games, but uh, I did, and I always thought it was funny. I don't know if he was trying to be funny or if he really thought every place was a nice area. Anyway, rest in peace, Jim Price. Welcome to the show. This is, of course, Beer and Bullshit, the podcast where we drink beer and talk bullshit. Uh, Hopefully, you're listening from a nice area yourself. I am Ben Johnson, the host of the show. Uh, My co-host, Chris Pellerin, is not here. Uh, He was finishing the final leg of an Eastern Canada family road trip. So I imagine he is, I don't know, probably quietly drinking uh, in a corner alone recovering. No, family trips are fun and relaxing, of course. He'll be back next week. Uh, I'm not going to do too much beer news this week because this show is all about beer news. We're digging in. I hope you like to really nerd out on the uh, ins and outs of Ontario beer because that's what we're gonna do. But there is maybe maybe some news worth mentioning, and so that Tilray Tilray Brands uh, purchased eight beverage brands from AB InBev for eighty-five million dollars. So Tilray Brands, if you don't know, is a, a cannabis and packaged goods company, and they bought. Uh, Breckenridge, Blue Point, Ten Barrel, Red Hook, Widmer, Square Mile Cider Company, and Highball energy drinks from Anheuser-Busch in Bev. Pretty big move, I guess. A lot of questions about: Is this now craft beer? It's a big company that owns it. Uh, hilarious side note: If you've ever, if you've been reading the beer shit I've been writing for any period of time, you'll recall I have a fondness for Shock Top once uh, famously exposing the fact that they were intentionally trying to mislead people into thinking Shock Top was craft beer. Um, I drank my way through a six-pack of mixed Shock Top once with uh, disgusting results. Anyway, among the brands that were sold to Tilray was the beloved Shock Top. And uh, I don't own a lot of stock, but I do happen to own Tilray stock. So, (laughs) funny coincidence, I'm now an investor in Shock Top, apparently, I don't know. I think it's a good thing for my stock. <laughs> is it a good thing for beer? I don't know. Uh, I've been to 10 Barrel. They were pretty good. I, I was actually there just after they bought out. and A lot of conversation was happening about whether or not the quality would drop off. Who knows? They're now being passed around to the highest bidder. A little weird, but that is the world of craft beer uh, these days. Maybe also worth noting, um, Canada has spoken. We've picked our favorite beers I don't know if anyone saw the recent um, poll that was taken or, you know, how serious it was. But Now Magazine has released a list of beers that ranked in the top three spots in each province and territory. Kind of interesting. Uh, Guinness, all over the place. Guinness is number one beer in Alberta. Uh, Guinness is the number one beer in Northwest Territories. and It ranks in the top three for most provinces, including B.C., um ontario pei good old guinness uh guinness is that beer you of course drink when there are no craft beer options on tap because guinness is always pretty damn good uh also of note steam whistle our good friends the good beer folk steam Whistle whistles picked ontario's favorite beer um other than that maybe the only craft brand to crack any province's top three. Let me just scan this quickly. Guinness, Corona, Budweiser, Kokanee, Heineken. Yeah, it's all just a bunch of dog shit. And then Guinness and Steam Whistle. Oh, Le Fendimon in Quebec. Um, that's as close as it gets to craft anywhere else with Unibrew, which is of course now owned by Sleeman. Anywho, shout out to Steam Whistle, I guess, for uh, being picked Ontario's favorite beer. Um, speaking of Ontario beer, that's kind of all we do here, but we're really going to get into it tonight. My guest is, uh, Scott Simmons, the president of the Ontario craft brewers association. If you listen to the show with any regularity regularity, uh, you'll know, we talk about the OCB quite a bit. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, some of our guests have espoused the virtues of being a part of the OCB while others have questioned, uh, why the OCB does or does not do certain things. So we thought it was time to hear from the man himself, Scott, the president of the OCB. I've already recorded this interview, obviously, and uh, we get into some stuff. If you're into taxation, oh my, this is the episode for you because we spend time talking about taxes. (laughs) If it's not your thing, maybe skip the first 15 minutes. Uh, We also get into some uh, value statement stuff. I don't know. I I felt like it got a little awkward. You can tell me, uh, but I had questions I wanted answered, so I, I don't know. I think I pressed in an appropriate manner. We also talked about the future of craft beer, what it looks like. Uh, Scott gave us maybe a couple hints about what the OCB is lobbying for in this province, and uh, we'll see if he's successful, but uh, it was a good chat. Uh, thanks, for Scott, for coming on. Uh, without further ado, uh, here's my chat with Scott of the OCB. Okay, cold beer in hand. Are you playing favorites? If you let me know who is, it is. Detour from Muskoka, all right. My go-to beer. Is it?
1: Yeah, although I I better not say that on here.
0: (laughs) It's too late. You said we were on the record. (laughs) You're gonna hear from them. You're gonna hear from Scott tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. So great great taste in beer and it's only uh, 4%, 4 4.2.
0: Well, I've got myself a Miami Vice from Great Lakes because it's four and a half and also very flavorful. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, we, we, seem to, we seem to plug Great Lakes too much on this show. And speaking of plugging Great Lakes, I've noticed your boy Troy pretty active on the campaign trail, or if you call it that. But you guys have launched the uh keep keep craft beer local campaign. Is that is that what it's called? Am I I'm not messing that up, am I?
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to have to start paying Troy for uh, all the work Seriously. he's done yeah. <laughs> in the campaign. He's He's been uh, fantastic. Yes, it's called uh, keepcraftbeerlocal.ca is the website. Yep, And we launched it about uh, two weeks ago.
0: So let's get into it. I mean, it's largely the issue is taxation, yeah?
1: Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of issues facing the industry uh, right now, and I'm sure we'll get into all of them, but... Uh, you know, taxation has, it's been a longstanding problem here in Ontario. Uh, Ontario craft brewers pay the highest tax rates of any province in the country and uh, arguably highest in North America. And uh, there's just a lot of complicating factors to the tax. And I'd like to kind of unpack all of those with you, but um, now is the time where we need it more than ever. and. You know I said we'd we'd talk about the other issues later but they are related you know you you um you have this perfect storm of things that have happened you've got this worldwide pandemic that you know arguably is still ongoing and you know we all know what happened when when that happened with draft beer sales and bars and restaurants you know the industry lost half of its business its most profitable business and then you couple that with uh inflation and uh you know, if the inflation wasn't bad enough, the um, increases on the inputs to make craft beer, make beer have gone up dramatically higher than just the inflation rate itself. And then you run into a soft year in 2022, debt loads have risen. Um, it's it's not easy out there for craft brewers and tax is the one thing that uh, is controllable and needs to change, you know. Some people would say, well, you know, just raise your prices to absorb the tax well you know craft beer is already a premium product for good reason obviously it's the best beer made uh but i think uh, consumers have reached a tipping point with prices so you know craft brewers are kind of stuck you can't take your prices up and yet your costs are increasing and one of the biggest components of those costs is tax so uh you know that's why we thought it was time for this campaign it's just started it's going to last a couple of months. going to be out there pretty aggressively
0: nice well okay so there's a lot to unpack here the first thing i think is uh the model would be any other jurisdiction essentially because i think it's tiered based on size of of production right and in ontario we don't benefit from that everyone pays the same tax per can regardless of the size of the company or the brewery is that correct well uh yes and no um
1: you know you have the microbrewery tax rate uh, in Ontario for brewers under 49,000 hectoliters, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, but yes, you're right. Uh, even the smallest brewers, so say a, a small brewer that makes 500 hex is paying the same tax as a brewery that's making 40,000 hex. And the scale of the business is dramatically different. Uh, and whereas if you look in other jurisdictions, and I'll use Alberta as an example, the smallest brewers pay 10 bucks a hectoliter, and then it gradually goes up as your volume goes up. Here in Ontario, those same smaller brewers are paying about 80 bucks a hectoliter, eight times as much tax when you combine in the, the basic tax, the volume tax, the can levy, uh, you know, it gets up there. And then once you get above 49,000, you become a, a, a big brewer in the eyes of government and you pay the highest tax rate possible but then there's the small brewer's manufacturers tax rebate, which um, it's it's complicated.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but once by the time you reach about 200,000 hex, the rebate is completely gone and you're paying the net net uh, highest rate. And so at the other end of the tax spectrum, we think that that highest rate, you shouldn't get to it until uh, double that at 400,000 hectoliters.
0: So, okay.
1: you know, there's, there's problems at every end of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, give me some sense of who's at the top of that spectrum for the OCB, because I think there's also a, a weird understanding of how big breweries are. Like someone would think of like Muskoka as a big brewery, but my, I mean like their production volumes pale in comparison to like what Molson does in, you know, a week they would do in a month. Like it's, it's crazy. So like, where's the line for the OCB in terms of like, okay, where like, who's at 200,000. Who's this affecting now and they want to double it to 400,000 as an example.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, that's a great question. Um, uh you know there's there's depending on the day around 340 craft brewers in Ontario I don't have the numbers in front of me but I would say that 300 of those are under 5000 hex right so and uh, that's small that's really small now at the other end of the spectrum um at the high end you know you've got Muskoka and steam whistle and I don't know their exact volume but let's call it somewhere between. Um, 75,000 and 100,000 hectoliters. Um, those are the largest craft brewers in Ontario. And you said it that even, uh, let's say, Steam Whistle is the largest craft brewer in Ontario, their volume is minuscule compared to what the foreign owned macro brewers do, um, mm-hmm. you know, who are doing millions upon millions of hectoliters. So you can you can kind of see these scale differences that even the largest craft brewery is still a very small business.
0: Yeah, I've had uh, Greg. Greg Taylor was one of the, was the first guest on the show ever, actually. And it's always been like annoying when people are like, oh, you know, steam Whistle's so big. They're not craft anymore. It's like, you have no like you have no idea. Their problems are not even close to the problems of Labat and Molson. And they're still fighting fights like this on behalf of smaller breweries. Um, I'm reading between the lines a bit because I, I, you and I have talked. I think the last time I interviewed was like 2017. Uh, you're you're a behind the scenes guy, Scott. That's a vibe I get from you. Here, you, you know, your work, you lobby government. You don't want to step on toes. So to me, that you're the fact that the OCB is doing a paid campaign around this, it suggests you've hit a wall because I feel like you wouldn't put this in the public space if you know government wasn't playing ball. And I recognize you're going to want to, you know, not step on toes here. But like, what is? The government's problem, for lack of a better word, I mean, Doug Ford has typically been pretty supportive of beer-related issues. Even though you know, I think we can, you know, have varying opinions of how serious those buck a beer, stupid issues really are issues. But like, when it comes to beer, he seems to see the value of supporting the quote unquote little guy. I'm guessing you're not getting traction here, and why is that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I I don't think that read is is accurate. We haven't hit hit a wall per se. I mean. This government, uh, you know, I started in this job in 2017, and we had, um, you know, a a year or so with the uh, the Kathleen Wynne government, and then the Ford government took over. And, uh, you know, since I've started, this government has been nothing but supportive of myself, our industry, our association. Uh, They made a lot of helpful changes for us during the the pandemic. Um, So the reason why we've gone public with this is not because we've hit a wall the government's actually been quite receptive to our uh, argument um, the fact is that it's a it's just a critical time right now and we're a lot stronger when we talk together uh yes i do do a lot of uh, meetings with queens park that i don't publicize um it's literally what i do every day we're very proud of the work we do we're we're the only organization that's advocating on behalf of these 300 plus small businesses every day with Queen's Park. Uh, But this is this is a little bit different. This is the biggest issue to uh, be in front of our industry in at least my tenure, six years, and perhaps, uh, you know, in the last decade or a couple of decades. And we just made a decision that that we're a lot stronger if we talk together. You know, if if you think about some of the early results from the campaign so far, there's been 500 letters written directly to the Minister of Finance. There's been 18,000 visits to our website. There's been uh, a quarter million people have seen the ads. There's just been a ton of media, radio, print, um, uh, TV, and I think. We're stronger if we can put our collective voice together on this issue. I mean, finance knows what our opinion is, but when they hear from, you know, hundreds of small businesses across Ontario, I think it makes a difference. So um, we thought this was the time to kind of go public with this campaign, involve consumers, involve the breweries. And, you know, so far it's working well, but, uh, you know, time will tell if, uh, if, if it results in any changes.
0: I'm wondering I'm wondering if some of this was spurred by the work that Beer Canada did because to me they dumped there was a, a silly PR like massive PR campaign around federal beer tax and there that is a tiered system and so to me it looked like that was a campaign being driven by large breweries with large brewery problems but it got so much traction because they did put some money behind things they got Bob and Doug McKenzie but I mean when we were talking about the cost to consumers for that I mean we're talking about like a penny or two per can the federal uh, federal tax, you know, is nothing compared to our Ontario provincial tax. So how much of it was like, well, shit, if they can get some traction with this minuscule tax, this is a serious issue for our members. Let's put some money where our mouth is and fire things up.
1: Yeah. uh, I mean, it's an interesting observation, but it really was coincidental. I mean, as you know, the, the, the Bob and Doug McKenzie campaign Uh, was really about uh, freezing the uh, increase. It really wasn't about the uh, tiered structure of excise. And just coincidentally, I sit on the board of the Canadian Craft Brewers Association and we're working right now aggressively with the federal government on that federal excise tiered structure, because in some way, a lot of the things we're looking to try to get accomplished in Ontario, um, you can look at the federal excise the way it's structured. And uh it has a lot of benefits. There's flaws with that one too, but just the way it's structured is,, um, you know, quite a quite a benefit. But, you know, we talked earlier about the difference in size between craft brewers and the and the big macros. Yes,
0: yeah.
1: I can tell you the money we're spending on this campaign in Ontario, uh is probably not even close to what oh, of course in <laughs> yeah countries. yeah
0: there's a reason they got bob and doug and had so much yes crap. exactly but, but i mean the, the issues that they were fighting for that they stirred up and every you know every snow slow news outlet picked up they're they're not issues that affect the 340 crap breweries in ontario day-to-day like half of them are like I got so much more shit to worry about right now. Like all the things you just listed are much more prior, like the rising cost of ingredients, the cost of aluminum, like the federal beer tax, like, fuck, that's so low on their list. But Yeah, no,
1: no, you're right. When you, when you look at the tax in Ontario, it's the provincial tax is the problem. And, you know, our campaign talks about if you dig into the specifics, we've already alluded to the... To the nature of the kind of non-progressive nature between zero and forty-nine thousand hex, but right. the the rate itself is too high. Um, the can tax is simply ridiculous. Uh, you know, the nine cents a can that mm-hmm. is paid on aluminum beer cans is a tax, whereas you know soft drink cans don't pay it. And then there's an issue called triple indexing, just the way that they when they designed the microbrewery tax rate. Uh, every time they take uh, a rate hike on tax, the effective rate increase for small brewers is is uh, uh, two to three times higher than the big guys. So uh, we call that triple indexing. So you've got the triple indexing, the can tax, uh, uh, the flat rate of of basic tax between zero and forty nine, and then this cumbersome, complicated structure with the rebate once you get above forty nine thousand. So I guess the fourth leg on the stool would just be the cumbersome and complicated nature of the tax system whereas in Alberta how do you calculate your tax how many hex did you make here's the tax rate multiply eight times B you're done yeah you know so there's a lot of changes that need to be made
0: yeah well I I was going to ask what success looks like but it sounds to me it's something like Alberta and it's tiered and uh, we could probably uh talk taxation all night but it's not exactly the hottest podcast topic we're in a minute 20 of talking about taxation so we may pivot because believe it or not the ocb comes up a lot in this show and and you've touched on you've touched on uh something so how you said this about 340 brewers in ontario how many members do you have in the ocb right now uh roughly 120 i don't have the exact Number in front of me, but uh, okay. So we're looking. Let's say call around thirty percent. So, yeah. so here, this is something we actually talked about in twenty seventeen too. But there, in other jurisdictions, those numbers are closer to like eighty percent, seventy five percent of how many breweries are members of their their whatever their organization is. Yeah. So, I still hear from smaller breweries that the perception is that the OCB represents the interests of bigger breweries, and that's why they haven't bothered. Actually, there's two reasons. They don't have the time or resources to go to the meetings. And two, it seems like the OCB is largely representing uh, the interests of bigger breweries. Now, I I've heard Mandy Murphy defend this. and I've heard Troy defend it, <laughs> but I'm going to ask you too. why do you think it is that there are so many small breweries in Ontario that don't join the OCB? Like, what is it that you, you can't reach out to them and what you're not speaking, you know, the words they need to hear?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I mean, both those reasons are completely bogus, um, as you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if someone's got a perception in their head, it's tough to change it. And I'll be honest, I don't get out of bed every day wondering, who am I going to recruit today? Membership recruitment is really not a priority for me right now. I mean, the the when I started, I think we had about 80 members and, you know, the 40 new that have come on have all come on kind of uh, um, quietly, um, you know, here and there, Uh, it it doesn't generally happen because of something I've done or said or a visit I've made to the brewery that has happened. It happens when the current members talk to their peers, because that's who they'd rather hear from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if I had a nickel for every rumor I've heard about the OCB, I'd be a rich man, but uh, it's laughable. It's absolutely laughable, some of the things you hear. Um, We absolutely do not uh, represent the interests of the bigger craft breweries here. Well, of course we do, we represent their interests. We represent all the interests. I mean, um, you know, if you wanna go down that rabbit hole, our board of directors, there's only two uh, large brewers on there, if you wanna talk about large being 40,000 plus. Right. Um, The rest are small brewers um all of the changes that the mcb has got um done over the last couple of years through COVID, one could argue that 95 percent of them benefited small brewers so i don't even like having this conversation because it's absolutely ludicrous
0: well so to be but, but you said earlier like the, if we are all speaking the conversation together it's much more powerful and I'm seeing 30% There's 70% of the people out there that could help you with the conversation that for whatever reason, they don't see the reason to get involved. So- yeah, we've, we've on on the tax campaign, we've actually involved all the non members. Uh, right.
1: I can't, I can't tell you in front of me how many have actually, you know, got involved. And uh, I don't even know if you've looked at the website, but it's pretty turnkey It allows you to contact your um, member of parliament and send a turnkey letter, you just literally have to do about 30 seconds of work to fill in the name of your brewery, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, so I don't know how many have taken us up on it, um, but there's actually another communication going out tomorrow. Um, you know, I, I, I'd i be happy. We, we try to help every brewer. I really don't look at whether they're a member or not. I receive a lot of calls from brewers who aren't members and ask me questions. And, you know, can I give them direction on this or that? And I don't even think twice. I just mm-hmm. do it as to why they aren't members. Um, You know, it's easy to point to dollars, uh, even though the fees are low. Uh, Times are tough right now. People are having trouble paying their staff, paying their rent, let alone, you know, pay their annual membership dues. So I'm very thankful to the 120 or so that um, uh, are loyal. And uh, because without the membership dues, uh, we wouldn't have an OCB. And we're a very small organization to begin with, you know. Really, it's something I do pretty close to full time. Mm-hmm. But that's it. there's really no other full time people in this association. I just have a handful of other independent contractors that I call on um, when it's necessary for something that they do. But it's 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 really me and our our board of directors. You know, your uh, volunteer board of directors, comprised of um, Ontario craft brewery members. So you know, it's a big it's a big province. It's spread out um you know we've had some some great members join recently we had uh you know josh McJanet from uh dominion and we had beyond the pale and uh, uh town brewery jeff tommy um you know and, and we talked about troy earlier i give troy a lot of credit because uh troy talks it up and you know when people do end up calling me and we have a half hour chat it's the same thing at the end of every conversation i had no idea um i I can't believe it. And I'm thrilled to join. And this is, you know, I can't believe I waited this long. Mm. Um, You know, people don't have to do much to do the research, go on the website for five minutes, and you can find this stuff out. I mean, you know, to sit back and and just kind of uh, talk about things that aren't true, without Mm -hmm. backing them up.
0: You know, my phone number isn't unlisted, pick up the phone, call me.
1: You well, to, 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 to,
0: again, like, so I see this as like, if you had most of the breweries in the province paying you fees, you could do that outreach. And you know what I mean? Like, there could be more consumer well, education, a little public education and recruiting. Like, I think I'm not putting it on you that people are listening to rumors or whatever. But I mean, you could dispel the rumors if you had more money to, you know, have a permanent communications person. Like, I I guess it's a matter of like, how big do you want to be? And do you want, do you want to question, yeah, question
1: and, yeah. you know, as I said earlier, my focus is to move the industry forward with government. Um, I I can do that with our government relations uh, partners and policy concepts and our, our board of directors. Um, we're moving the industry forward and all boats rise, you know, on rising tides, it's going to help all the members. Sure. I'd like to have more people join, but quite frankly, if another hundred brewers joined at 495 bucks a year, it's not going to make or break the OCB $50,000. So um, I guess
0: that's, I guess you answered my question. If your mandate is government, you know, government engagement, then that's what you're doing. Because I feel like there's other organizations that would, you know, like um other craft brewery organizations would focus on consumer education, engaging customers. And if that's not your mandate, that there's my answer. Well are so you not getting worked up, are you? I I'm I'm just
1: like, I'm no, no, it, okay. it could be our mandate, it just isn't right now. Uh, okay. you know the things that we do and the partners that we've got, you know, I made a strategic decision a couple of years ago to to align myself with the Canadian Federation of Independent Business and mm-hmm. struck a deal with them whereby If you join the OCB, you're automatically a member of the CFIB because the CFIB is a a federation of thousands of small businesses across the country. They have all those resources you just spoke about. Um, Any small business issue, whether it's related to employee benefits or hiring practices or um, anything, you can pick up the phone and call these business counselors, call the hotline, and get all this stuff for free. And I've had you know, quite a few members say, I can't believe the resources with um, the CFIB. So I think to myself, okay, I could hire a couple people, I could spend a couple years trying to get up to the speed of the CFIB, or I can simply have a strategic alliance with someone who does this better. And I can focus my time on really what's important, which is uh, advocacy for the members. And then, of course, our industry conference, which uh, uh, takes up a lot of my time as well. So uh, I think I think we're well set right now. We would obviously welcome anybody who's listening who isn't a member and wants to join, you can call me. I'll give you myself cell, 416-427-1490. <laughs> and
0: I'll chat with anybody and
1: uh, would love to have you on board.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, I was going to say, give me your elevator pitch, but they can call you and get it themselves. And I will say, Scott, even of the folks who have opted not to join, to a person who said i really like scott simmons <laughs> so you you they're not it's not personal <laughs> no
1: well I, I, I go back to what i said earlier i think just dollars are tough for everybody yeah. and then it's human nature to think well if the ocb gets a big win i'm gonna benefit anyway so why join right. so I, I i will take you up on your opportunity for the elevator pitch because okay, give it to me You know, when people say, why should I join? Obviously, it's the advocacy, although one could argue I'm going to get that whether I'm a member or not. Mm -hmm. Um, The annual industry conference, which, of course, I'm biased, but I think is the biggest and best in Canada. And by the way, we're back in Niagara Falls again, October 25, 26 this year. As a member, you get a significant discount off your tickets, like literally hundreds of dollars. Um, You become a member of the Canadian craft beer association for free i talked about the cfib which is for free and that could cost you thousands of dollars if you did it on your own Mm -hmm. and you know you mentioned mandy earlier mandy likes to you know talk about the five thousand plus dollars she saves annually by using the cfib partners mark Uh, and mandy
0: are numbers people they go for the numbers right away yep
1: (laughs) Uh, there's the lcbo merchandising program that we oversee um, that gives us uh, you know, quite a few opportunities that are turnkey for the members to get involved in. Um, we've done a partnership with Last Call Analytics. Every member gets a free freemium analytics package, and a lot of the smaller brewers can't afford to do that on their own. Um, what else? Uh, we just rebranded, uh, relaunched our website, and within that are the craft beer trails. I'm really proud of those. They're pretty cool to look at if you
0: uh, I haven't seen your new website, Scott. Is it still the uh, is the skilled still the wax the wax signet crest? Is no, that still- that's that's a goner. Okay, thank God for that. <laughs> I'm gonna go check yeah. it out right now. That's a
1: goner and uh, I think it served its purpose at its time when the OCB started, you know, 20 some years ago.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: but things have changed, we've evolved. I'm really proud of the new website, the new look, and these uh, craft beer trails are on there. And then, you know, last but certainly not least, we send out weekly communiques to the entire membership that really keep them up to speed on anything that's happened that's pertinent in the industry. Um, we hold virtual town halls when it's necessary, like we did one to um, uh, precede this tax campaign. So, you know, for the amount of money it costs to join, it's it's a hell of a deal that would, would benefit you, but um, again, and if you uh, use the promo it, code so.
0: b- beer and bullshit, you get 10% off. No, I feel like yeah, well, I need a cut of this, Scott. This is becoming an advertisement for the OCB. <laughs> okay, it's okay, just it's just helping the industry. Ben, what, <laughs> no, I know. What no, you, honestly, uh, what you it's, come, it's either come up in a positive or, or negative light based on the brewery's Just, you know, this position on the show often. So I figured it was time more than time to have it from the horse's mouth. Um, okay. I want to pivot to something. I, I want to know why is, why are we still so weird about beer in this province like no no other industry has a master framework agreement you know weed became legal and suddenly there are thousands of weed stores in the province like overnight you can smoke weed in the park like why is beer still stuck in this stupid framework that we concocted with Molson and Labatt and Sleeman 100 years ago What? what why are we stuck on that.
1: Well, we didn't concoct it. Uh, no, right? we Ontarians.
0: Uh, yes, uh,
1: we we have to live with it. But, right. uh, you know, we don't have time to go back to how the beer store was founded back in 1927, coming out of Prohibition, how the LCBO was founded. And they said they didn't want to get into the beer uh, business. Right. Should do it. it became a co-op. And, you know, ironically, when it started in 1927, it worked the way it should. You know, right. it was uh, kind of a... a um, low-cost co-op association uh, for all the brewers in Ontario, but, you know, as amalgamation happened and fast forward, you ended up with kind of really two worldwide foreign-owned macro brewers dominating Mm -hmm. um, the beer store and kind of controlling every move it makes. And, uh, um, you know, I like to to give this stat that roughly 15% of the beer sold at the LCBO and grocery stores is craft beer, but only 2% of the beer that's sold at the beer store is is craft beer. And, you know, they're good at what they do, they run a low cost operation. um, But it's just not friendly to small businesses and and small brewers. Yes, there are some things that they do, you know, to give them credit to, to try to help the small brewers. But overall, it's just not the right environment. Uh, probably store formats would be the biggest thing to me. Is that as a shopper, you can't see what's available in the vast sure. majority of their stores, and you know, craft beer is really reliant on people uh, touching, feeling, you know, taking a look at the package, uh, trying something new, uh, mixing and matching. Um, you know, it just kind of doesn't work there. And sure. uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen this fall. You know, the the government needs to. Uh, Give them a decision uh, whether they're going to extend the uh, MFA or let it expire. I'm thinking they're going to let it expire and then there won't be anything called a master framework agreement. It will just be legislation governing the sale of beverage alcohol in Ontario. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to unwind if that happens. Um, And that's what, you know, in addition to the tax file. I'm I've been talking to government for 2 years about this and advocating our position as Ontario craft brewers of what we want the future system to look like and why and uh we'll see what happens when the dust settles.
0: Does that still look like we talked about this back in 2017 but in March 2015 I watched Darren Smith owner of the Lake of Bays brewery he was vice chair of the OCB then he gave a speech directly to government at their you know annual queen's park have a beer day whatever the heck that was called and the play there was clearly let us have our own stores i think you and i last time we talked we kind of agreed that you know grocery stores destroyed that plan or at least put it on the back burner so in your talks with uh you know the minister of finance and and are you is the proposal or what's the like end state for OCB do you guys want your own stores what does it look like for you are we talking corner stores
1: yeah I I, I really can't share that unfortunately um because it's confidential and there's a lot of other industry players that would love to know right our plan. but suffice to say that um you know if you want to talk about access um the craft Brewers that have invested millions into a brewery, should at least have the right to open other stores. right now, I'm not sure if your listeners are aware, but they're literally um kept to just the one retail store that's attached to that has to be attached to the operating brewery right well now they, they, they can open
0: right now they yeah they can
1: open the second one if it's attached to another operating brewery right there's very few craft breweries in Ontario that um, literally have the need to open a second brewery. We've seen it happen. Yeah. you know, on more than one occasion, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but why not? Why? Why can't, you know, and I'll, again, I'll use Steam Whistle as an example here. If Steam Whistle wanted to open a retail store in Ottawa or London, why? Why can't they? Right. If If all the craft brewers in the Niagara region wanted to put a craft beer store near the border in tourist area, why shouldn't they be able to? So that's a key part of our our uh positioning with government you know as far as expanded retail it depends what that looks like because the devil's always in the details but you know i i think this government has made it very clear that they want expanded access especially in C stores so i think that's coming whether people like that idea or
0: don't well to me that's just let's give budweiser another place to buy out stores and buy shelf space and throw their money around and we get more fucking Budweiser on every corner like I've never loved the convenience store option. Yeah,
1: that that may happen but I don't think that's the government's in uh reason for doing that I think the government truly believes that uh you know it would give Ontarians like you and me more choice and convenience if there's uh, yeah. more outlets and we could debate that till the cows come
0: home yeah. Hopefully you'd have something like in Montreal where there's a depth that really cares about craft beer and this, you know, well, exactly. A beacon exactly. Because yeah.
1: if, if they do open it up and let a big box come in, you know, I'm a big fan of what happens out in Alberta with like the wine and beyond stores. Uh, you know, it's, it's like a Costco, but just for beverage alcohol. And, you know, they do a really good job and, and, you know, with craft beer could list literally hundreds of brands under, under one roof, but you know, retail access is only one element of the master framework agreement. There's right. key decisions to be made on distribution, on pricing, on recycling. It's a very complicated file that's taken a couple of years to kind of develop uh, the positioning that we've, we've currently developed, uh, that we're talking to Queen's Park about
0: you're going to have crap brewers out there recycling bottles or what? Cause that seems to be the beer store's big pitch. They, they save us millions of dollars in recycling. So unless steam whistle is going to start washing those Brown bottles too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if
1: you want to start talking about bottles versus cans, that's a whole other episode, you know, but yeah, uh, that's,
0: a, that's a heated, uh, that's a heated issue too, yeah, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about something maybe it's, this isn't a, an easier subject, but it's something that I've talked about a lot and, and, and Uh, talking about Payola, we talked about, you know, Budweiser and those big guys throwing their money around. But in recent years, it seems like the rules have become even more lax. To my mind, it was always pretty clear cut that, you know, paying in exchange for exclusivity in a bar or at a licensee was illegal. It looks like it's a little bit more gray, like almost as if the AGCO has said, you know, have at it. But I think it remains that, you know, the little guys can't compete with the big guys when we have things like, you know, walking into bars and throwing around patio umbrellas or buy three get one free you know ocb members do this they also every single brewery i've ever talked to says they don't but everyone else does let's be honest they all they all do it or the big ones do it but like when the big ones do it it pushes out other member breweries. So you have member breweries doing it to other member breweries. We have small breweries that want to launch. They walk into a bar and they say, I'd love for you to sell a keg of my beer. And they go, well, this other guy down the street just gave me two for one or got me a patio umbrella or gave me Buffalo bills tickets. It's like a thing. No one wants to talk about. Does the OCB have a policy on that? Like, is there like a, I don't know. I don't know how to broach the subject, but I still think it just sucks. It makes it not an equal playing field. So what is the OCB policy on payola?
1: Yeah, I well, I don't think I don't think we have anything written but you know, it's pretty obvious. We are totally against any kind of inducements um, um whether that's listing fees or um promotional indu- inducements under the table. Um we're totally against it.
0: So is there, Uh, but is there a punishment? Like, what is the mechanism? What's the enforcement? I mean, it sounds like it's just you, Scott. Like you're gonna you're going to, you got to, you got to contract in some enforcers or something like (laughs) that. Well,
1: um, I mean, wow, that's a complicated issue. Yes. I don't (laughs) think we look at ourselves uh, as the police. Right. That's the AGCO's job. Um, I mean, in a theoretical scenario, if someone came to me with definitive proof, right definitive that one of our members was uh you know doing this uh, aggressively I would certainly have a chat with that member to see what's going on but uh you know to ask the OCB to be the police on um under the table activity at licensees is kind of absurd and nice. I'll go back to my point that you know I'm keeping my eye on the ball in terms of uh, advocacy on what's really important right now for this industry, which is tax and the Master Framework Agreement.
0: I think it's just because you guys are it. I mean, you're the OCB, there's no other like organization that's kind of like, there's no Brewers Guild, there's no like, what is the collective values of Ontario's craft beer. So they do look to you for that leadership. And I recognize you're like, that's not my job. And how could you possibly ever police it all. But I think that's why folks look to you guys for some like leadership there right because there's yeah yeah, and you know we do you know we when people apply we do a, a pretty um in-depth
1: review of any new member mm-hmm. um obviously there's a commitment to quality I mean when you look at what the OCB stands for you know these are small independent brewers that um brew high quality uh products and of course, within this industry, there's a lot to uh, uh, unpack with that term too. Quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so we look very carefully at the um, uh, measures that brewers put in place to test their products, uh, make sure that they're safe. Um, you know, that's really, I think, the the role that we play. I guess you could expand that in ever increasing ripples of larger circles to police literally everything in the industry, but uh, that's just impossible
0: yeah well okay you've lobbed me up for my next question so here we go it's not a comfortable one but craft beer kind of had this like come to jesus moment recently where we're, there's a flood of stories emerging about discrimination even in so- assault at breweries in ontario there was an outcry among consumers and like people like me but, but like for brewers to pu- they publicly now post a value statement for to sort of hold each other accountable there are Mean it seems like nothing actually happened. So I'm not putting it. I'm already and I already know your answer here because you've already said it's not your job. But like, if not you, then who? So there are OCB members that I've seen in these stories that have done some reprehensible things. Allegedly, we should legally say allegedly. But I've seen video of terrible things. A member breweries. They're still members. But like, where's the line? I know you're not the ethics police, but like at some point you go like these guys don't fucking represent the values of Ontario craft beer we got to get them out of here. I I don't what does that process look like or does it not exist? And don't you think maybe it should now? Um, yeah, that is a um I told you little, it was a tough I, one. I told you it was a tough one. Uh, you know,
1: obviously any business that runs that has employees has moral and ethical obligations that you know I think any decent human being would support, uh, including myself. Um you know, craft breweries are no different than any other small or medium or big business here in Canada. You know, you've got to have safe, inclusive um, workplaces. Um, I would demand that to working there myself. Uh, if my daughters are working somewhere, I would demand that where where they're working. Um, what we've done, uh, we actually, you know. This issue, as you said, got a lot of attention and we talked about it with the board of the Canadian Craft Brewers Association and said, you know, rather than every province try to develop something on their own, why don't we develop something uh, nationally, so we created. um, Some policies and we created some. um, literature and some some guidelines and some helpful um practices that uh, can be found on the ccba website and there's more information there and there's resources that businesses can call on um consultants that uh, you can call on to to get more information but that's really kind of the role that we played is trying to be a a a gathering point for information and resources and then it's really up to the businesses themselves to uh, implement those and make sure that they're they're living up to them uh in terms of you know what's our role to your allegation that uh uh, current member breweries have done something uh nothing has crossed my desk if it did i guess i would look at it but uh, i haven't seen anything i mean anybody that's been hurt by something in this area i feel very badly for it should never happen you know the problem with social media in today's world is that anybody can get behind the keyboard and say whatever they want. So it's very hard to distinguish between fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely got to be some truth to some of those stories, and if if uh, anything factual across my desk with evidence, I guess I deal with it then.
0: So I, I I feel like that answer might make some people angry, Scott. So I'm going to push just a little, <laughs> a little more. Like, what is the mechanism for like getting kicked out of the ocb like does that never happen what would it look like would it need members to be like hey these guys don't represent our values is there a complaint mechanism because like there's some stuff that's just like yeah i i I mean i saw a video of someone hitting someone that there's that you get my eyes don't lie to me (laughs) i'm like i I don't does it have to like they have to come to you scott simmons and be like they you
1: know it's not my decision i think it would be i know
0: i know it's not you but i mean like don't you think there should be something where like you guys audit the, the, the values of your organization? I don't know. Go, I'm, I'm giving gotta, you tough questions as the lobby guy. But well, I'm it's like, not a
1: tough question. I, it's just, it, it. you know, what's the answer? You, you want us to like literally audit uh, 120 different member breweries and watch them every day? Well, do you guys I mean, have a
0: code of conduct, for example? That yes, be? we do. Okay. Yes, cool. we do. OK, so if someone were to come forward and say, hey, here's an example of a brewery not living up to your standards or code of conduct, you guys would investigate?
1: Absolutely. I'd take it to our next board meeting, but it's it's never happened, Ben.
0: OK, well, that's a shame. and I'm, You're going to regret putting your phone number on this, maybe because people are going to fucking start calling you, Scott, because it's out there, man. This stuff is happening. And the... okay. Well, I think it happens in every
1: industry, unfortunately, and yeah. it's just, it's it's horrific. Yeah, you know, in 2023, that our world isn't a safer, better place. Yeah, for uh, everybody.
0: I know, and um, I'll, I I know that your mandate is to lobby the government on behalf of this organization, but people do look to that organization as the only organization in Ontario, so they expect, you know, okay, why isn't someone doing this? Who could do it? OCB, and you're like, eh, actually, not us. Okay, we can move on. <laughs> but I mean, uh, I'll throw you I'll throw you a, a, a softball because you lob one up for me. But like, <laughs> what does success look like? in terms of the ocb strategic vision in the next five years maybe you can't talk about that because it's wink wink nudge nudge not our own stores but it sounds like maybe it is but like what what does success look like for you Yeah, you
1: know, I, I again i'll go back to the kind of the two major files that we're working on um definitely some changes to the tax structure and framework um you know we could we could go through all those areas i talked about earlier but uh you know a couple of significant changes in tax uh would be massive for this industry and then on the second big file which is uh, uh you know uh, beverage alcohol reform let's call it uh everything that's uh, involved with the mfa um probably a more open and excessive uh, marketplace for craft brewers right now it's. Uh, it's uh, not that uh, um, available to the smallest of brewers Uh, you know the three major retail outlets that are there now uh, the lcbo the beer store the grocery store you know well-run operations Um, but they're set up for kind of bigger brewers and you know some of the bigger craft brewers have done well there Um, but it's hard for the smaller brewers and it's really hard for for the retailers to rotate things off and you know the large retailers aren't set up to do that so you know how do we solve that I think there does need to be more access what that access looks like um is yet to be determined um, I think there's got to be some changes to distribution and uh you know I talked about pricing I talked about recycling but uh If we could get some wins across that, uh, when the dust settles on what comes out of this master framework agreement, I think that combined with some changes to tax that would really help the industry, you know, we, we talked earlier about. You know, 300 plus small businesses, and this is a, this is a big industry in Ontario. It's in every corner of the province. It's, you know, close to a billion dollars in economic impact. It's 80% of the brewing jobs in Ontario, but it's still only 11% of the industry. Right. And, you know, if this industry could get to Alberta's penetration for craft beer, which I think is 16%, or in Utopia, BC, which is like 29, mm-hmm. think of the economic impact then of the thousands of more jobs that would be created, uh, the investment, the local community involvement. So the government knows this, but they also know that this industry has to survive. To be able to have that second wave of growth that we saw say in the decade 2010 to 2019 and that's why it's imperative we get some some changes and some wins on this tax file in the mfa so that you know we can have this conversation 10 years from now and the craft beer industry in ontario is between 15 and 20 percent of the industry
0: hmm. i feel like there's also a lot of that could be done related to beer tourism that we're like barely scratching the surface i feel like you, you talk to craft breweries in Toronto where like a tour bus just shows up and it's just cause someone has organized it and picked a handful of breweries. But like, to me, again, if you were staffing the OCB, like, why don't I organize that and show the government, like, look how much tourism we could bring to this province. If we were just like slightly more organized about things.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point. You know, there's uh, roughly 5 million people darken the doors of Ontario craft breweries every year roughly 40% of those are tourists, which is defined as someone who's traveled 40 kilometers uh, or greater. Um, and they're literally, as I said, in every corner of the province, you know, we, we've seen what has happened with, you know, the Niagara Peninsula and kind of wine tourism. And there's no reason why the craft beer industry can't uh, reach that uh, that level. And that's why we created those craft beer trails as a starting point, but, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are out there and it it not just the ocb that can do this but if somebody can make an a make a buck by uh organizing some uh, tourist buses to travel in the different regions of ontario i'm sure they will in fact some have mm-hmm. um you know you look at small things like what the guelph guys have done the craft brewers there have banded together um even with sleeman they've included sleeman in that and they've got the great guelph beer bus that uh, gets rave reviews And every community has the ability to do that. Those guys just did it on their own, Um, uh, you know. So there's a lot that can be done, not just by the OCB, but by the industry itself.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, okay, I'll leave you with. I was going to ask what's beers is is in your fridge right now, but you already gave a shout out to Detour. So,
1: (laughs) well, I've got uh, small or nothing in my fridge. I've got some left field. In my fridge. Uh what else? I've got you have any t-
0: non-member beer in your fridge? That would be interesting. I've got that. collective arts. Collective uh-huh. arts isn't a member, huh? No, Maybe. they are. Oh yeah. Okay. I was gonna say, <laughs> um, what else? What's the last non-member beer you drank or non-member brewery you visited? That'll be my final question for you.
1: Non-member
0: brewery. Uh boy,
1: I'd have to think about that. You've kind of caught me on that. Uh um. I don't know. There's so many great beers to be had that, yeah. uh, you know, you kind of uh, get the ones that you like and that are in your wheelhouse. I love IPAs and I love, I love low alcohol. So if you can combine those two and, you know, a few years ago, there really wasn't any options, but I think people have kind of caught on to this. There's a, uh, you know, there's a great one um, by refined fool in Sarnia that uh, I can't remember the name, but I don't think they make it anymore. Um, uh Great Lakes makes one to give them another shout out uh yep. I think Sunnyside is it a good one. um but uh, yeah a 3.5 percent IPA that's that's my go-to beer
0: that's your wheelhouse <laughs> nice yeah. all right well I'm conscious of your time I know you've, you're your dog sitting so you're probably, <laughs> you're probably gonna get back to your rescue dog um uh, but is there anything else you want to talk about today
1: no I just appreciate the opportunity to be on and I guess you know before we go a couple of plugs if You do want to talk to me about uh membership? I'll repeat my phone number 416 427 1490. Call me, send me a text.
0: You're a brave and man putting late. your phone number on the internet. I feel like you're going to call me in the morning and be like, Yeah,
1: that's uh, all right. I can always change it, but I won't.
0: <laughs> um, I
1: also want to give a shout out about the conference. Um, yeah. we're really excited about the conference this year, we've got uh Some great keynotes. We've got uh, JC and Esther uh, Tetro from Trillium Brewing. I saw that. That's a cool Uh, guy. They're they're pretty iconic. Uh, Bart Watson from the BA is coming. And then I'm really pleased. We've got a guy by the name of Pete Bambachi that a lot of your listeners wouldn't know. But he's kind of started something called the Genwell Project. And it's about human connection. And when you think about what happened during COVID and all of us working remotely like you and I are right now instead of meeting in person. There's just something about us as human beings that uh, we kind of need to be together, and when you think about the importance of that, especially to our industry, the social occasions that uh, you know we clink glasses and have a cheer with a beer together, it's so important to get that back into our industry and back into our workplaces. So Pete's uh, a master; he's an expert on tips for craft breweries about how to bring some of these. We talked about values before, but how to be more inclusive and get people together at the brewery level. So really pleased by that we have really, we do extensive um, polls after every conference and people love the conference, but the one area that they said we could do better was beefing up our technical sessions. So. Uh, Troy, again, i got to give him a shout out. He's done a great job chairing our education committee. This guy owes
0: me money. troy
1: owes me money. But our technical sessions this year are fantastic. We've got some great guest speakers. Um, A lot of great social events. The kickoff is at Bench Brewing. We've got the Canada Beer Cup Awards happening on the first night. Uh, Um, Important thing, I think, what are the dates? I don't think we even talked. uh, October 25th, 26th in Niagara Falls. Okay. And I guess the last thing I'll say if anybody's still listening, <laughs> if somebody is not a member of the OCB and wants to join. How about I give you free membership if you buy a couple of tickets to the conference?
0: Well, they're here to hear, folks. You're here to hear. Buy well, actually, it sounds to... like I just
1: made that up, but there's no, a number no, of said... all non-members you tomorrow already with, said that. with that exact offer.
0: So can anyone can anyone come to this? I mean, I don't know how many people want to sit through technical sessions about brewing beer, but could joe public come if they wanted to uh yeah anybody can buy a ticket and uh you know you don't have to sit through the
1: technical sessions the beauty of it is we've right. got a wide array of options for every time slot so you pick something that you know meets your specific needs and if you don't want to do any of that spend all your time in the trade show
0: right uh,
1: cool. so lots to do and of course Niagara Falls there isn't any shortage of things to do there uh, as well so come to the conference give me a call let's talk about membership talk about the conference and anything else you want to talk about and uh, ben thanks for having me on
0: yeah thanks scott this is fun good okay. luck with the conference if i don't talk to you i'll just come how about you just send me a ticket i'll show up <laughs> hey i might be able to do that you have my phone number now give me a call everyone's got your phone number now scott all right thanks man take care man. cheers right. bye, bye.